Welcome to Save Our Wild Salmon Coalition's audio tours, where we will be exploring important places along the Lower Snake River with tips for engagement, exploration, and education. We want to respect COVID-19 safety regulations while also still highlighting the importance of this issue through these virtual tours. So, whether you're listening as you're exploring these places with us or hanging out at home, we hope you find value in learning more about what a restored Lower Snake River could mean for our region. Yeah, and we're honored to be hearing from an array of free-flowing Snake River advocates. And today we'll be discussing one of these locations along the Lower Snake River that holds great historical uh, significance. All the areas we will be discussing are worth exploring. They show the current impacts of dams on the Lower Snake and also allow us to imagine the possibilities of what thriving salmon returns could mean for the Northwest. So grab your boots and your water bottle. We're gonna be exploring. The Snake River begins at the headwaters in the mountains of the Continental Divide, near the southeastern corner of Yellowstone National Park in northwestern Wyoming. It flows through the Snake River Plain of southern Idaho and along the Oregon-Idaho border before carving its path into the Columbia River in Washington. The Snake is the largest tributary of the Columbia River. The Snake River Basin produced half of all spring Chinook salmon returning to the Columbia, more than 5 million wild salmon and steelhead once returned to spawn in the snake and its tributaries each year prior to dam implementation. These species are since either extinct or threatened, but our best hope for restoring healthy harvestable numbers of salmon are in the snake basin. The most extensive freshwater salmon habitat in the lower 48 states is upstream of the four lower snake dams, more than 5,500 miles of river. Aside from aquatic species, the Snake River watershed supports many animals, including the gray wolf, grizzly bear, wolverine, mountain lion, Canada lynx, pronghorn, and bighorn sheep. 274 bird species, some endangered or threatened, rely on the Snake River watershed throughout the year. Lower Granite, Little Goose, Lower Monumental, and Ice Harbor were constructed between 1955 and 1975 by the Army Corps of Engineers. The implementation of these projects resulted in loss of salmon habitat and made warm, stagnant reservoirs. The stagnation of water behind the dams has increased pollution and hot water temperatures deadly to young salmon. Since the construction of the Lower Snake River dams, the population of Snake River salmon has declined by 60% significantly impacting fisheries and harming native tribes, industry, recreation, and orca populations. In today's podcast, we will hear from Lucy Simpson, Elliot Moffat, and Brian Jones about their livelihoods on the Snake River, the impact of the dams, and how you can support Save Our Wild Salmon's mission to restore the snake and support the return of a thriving wild salmon population. The impact of these four dams is felt all throughout the Columbia River Basin, and dam removal would help specific places along the river, as well as the ecosystem at large. There are locations along the river above the dams that provide an example of what a free-flowing river might look like. One of these places is called Buffalo Eddy. Only marked by a few signs, this site is reached by following a long winding road along the Snake River. 
Once pulling off to the side of the road, one can see the swirling movement of the water in a large rock creating a small sandy inlet. The free-flowing Snake River is of great importance to the Nez Perce and Palouse tribes. Buffalo Eddy is the ancestral lands of these people. Important for ceremonies, fishing, and transportation, the river played a central role in the lives of the native people. Today, a nonprofit organization called Nimipu Protecting the Environment seeks to promote a free-flowing river and to preserve the sanctity of places such as Buffalo Eddy. Here's Nimipu Protecting the Environment president and co-founder Elliot Moffat on Buffalo Eddy and Nez Perce history. One of the things that has happened is, is uh, during our history of the Nez Perce, um, our history is made up of an oral tradition. Um, we passed on our culture orally. We didn't have, we didn't write down, so to speak, except on the, on the rocks, for an example. Um, we didn't write down our history and, and our culture. Um, and so that was passed down orally. And um, unfortunately, a lot of a lot of our history and culture, um, in particular with uh, specific areas, hasn't. Um, depending on that, um, if those people are still around or relatives of those people, descendants of those people, then um, uh, we have it. We often lose that history and culture from those areas, and um, uh, so ourselves we are trying to piece back our culture and history and uh, you can see that by um, uh, the canoe that we built um, you know it's been so long since uh, we've had a nest purse canoe built that people were forgetting how to do that and so we got to bring that back but buffalo's uh, buffalo's eddy is a, is a real important side to us not only from the archaeological uh, standpoint, but also to demonstrate the the breadth and and uh, extent of our existence back in the day. Um, that um, I'm from the I'm known as a upriver Nez person, upriver Indian, um, and so I live upriver, and that's a way that uh, we traveled around. Um, we were first known as river people. Um, and um, and then the horse came to us and we became horse people and now we're car people I guess <laughs> but, but um, uh, and so the the rivers were a way that we traveled and we depended very heavily upon the rivers for navigation and and even directions uh, like I said I'm I'm known as an upriver Mimi uh, Poo and um, um, that was kind of our directions. We could tell by the rivers how to get from one place to another. Um, our knowledge of the geography was intimate, and, and that helped when when Lewis and Clark came over to um, uh, give them directions to the coast. And uh, that's an example. So, um, so we lived along that river, along the Snake River, and. Um, uh, at Buffalo's Eddy, and that was an important uh, gathering place too. You'll notice that um, some of these areas are where um, trails would cross, and and uh, uh, they could be used to uh, leave messages and things of that nature too. So um, that area was was uh, heavily used, and and it wasn't far from there that 
Chief Joseph um, um, during his flight uh, to Canada uh, used a snake. He had to cross the Snake River and all of all the people from Oregon had to cross the river and that wasn't that far from Buffalo City. Depicted on a grouping of rocks near the water are pictographs created by the Nez Perce tribe and estimated 4,500 years ago. Pictographs are the earliest known form of writing and use symbols and pictures to communicate. The Nez Perce history is mostly an oral one, passed down from generation to generation, so having pictographs from so long ago makes them all more special. The rock is painted with a mixture of natural pigments and binders. The pictographs at Buffalo Eddy depict animals, people, and patterns. Their placement on the rocks indicates that they would be seen by passers in the river, showing the continued importance of this place for the Nimipu people. The Nez Perce peoples traditionally traveled in dugout canoes that allowed them to navigate the winding turns of the Snake River. This increased their foraging and fishing abilities, and as semi-nomadic people, they often set up villages on the banks of the river. Sustainable fishing practices and respect for the river created by sustainable salmon runs that were a dependable food supply. Fishing methods included using hook and line, nets, traps and wires, and during salmon season, fishing efforts greatly outweighed those of hunting. Among Columbia Snake Basin tribes, salmon returns were of spiritual importance and indicated the plenty found in nature. Before the beginning of a harvest, the first salmon ceremony was performed. This entailed the ritual catching of one of the earlier salmon in the run and the communal sharing of it in a feast. The body of the salmon is then returned to the river as a sign of respect and thanks. The series of treaties created with the United States government beginning in the 1850s resulted in stolen land and loss of important ancestral areas such as Buffalo Eddy. It is integral to remember that the voices and stories of the Nimipu and Palouse people have historically been overwritten by colonizers. Supporting a free-flowing river promotes ecological health through restoring a historically significant river to its former glory. Please move carefully through this place as you admire the natural beauty of the pictographs. Preservation is important in remembering and respecting the native history of the area. After that brief introduction to Save Our Wild Salmon and Buffalo Eddy, we will now delve into the environmental history of the Snake River Basin. The dams pose social, economic, and environmental problems in this segment, we will highlight some of the most pressing environmental problems that have occurred due to the presence of the dams. The implementation of the four dams from 1955 to 1975 was done with the desire for industrialization, capital, and developing hydropower as a core energy source. The possibility of negative environmental effects that occur after dam implementation were known prior to installation, yet the project still went through due to greed and the support from powerful people. The dams were strongly opposed by Native American tribes of the area and other locals, but their opposition was not enough to halt the drive for industrialization. The cost and benefit analysis done prior to construction showed clearly that the dams would not be cost effective and required maintenance and restoration of the dams would be more than any of the benefits of hydropower and transportation. The economic and environmental risks were well known prior to the installation, but could not put the project to a stop. The Army Corps of Engineers discussed the problem of passing migratory fish over the dams on the Lower Snake with federal and state fish and wildlife departments. The consensus of opinion between these agencies was that the dams on the Lower Snake River would be hazardous and could entirely eliminate the runs of migratory fish. The Lower Snake River dams are directly responsible for the drop of salmon and steelhead populations. There are five species of salmon that are threatened or endangered. 
those being Chinook, Coho, Chum, Sockeye, and Pink. The effects have been obvious as more than 40% of the spawning and rearing habitat of salmon and steelhead in the Columbia Snake River Basin is now permanently blocked by the dams. Salmon and rivers are an integral part of the Northwest culture and lifestyle. This rich history is threatened due to the deterioration of our river ecosystem. These four dams supply little to no flood damage control and have been the leading cause of flooding of towns along the rivers and the depletion of important irrigation areas. The dams create unnatural reservoirs that drastically affect the food web and alter ecology downriver through changes in the river's natural flow and blocking the natural movement of sediment. The continual inundation of shoreline areas on the Columbia River Basin have effectively ruined spawning areas for Chinook salmon. On top of the shoreline destruction, the reservoirs slow the flow of the river and through a process of insulation, water temperatures rise to levels that are lethal to salmon and steelhead. Since the construction of the Lower Granite Dam in 1975, important sediment from rivers in the northwest has been building up and collecting at the base of the dam that should be floating towards the Pacific Ocean. This has led to foundational problems on the coast that cause erosion and mineral deprivation. The dams not only block vital sediment from flowing naturally to the coastline, but due to the buildup at the bottom of the dams, the water level increase leads to flooding. This will only get worse as sediment continues to build. It is a common misconception that the production of hydropower is 100% clean energy that emits no greenhouse gases. Through various studies, this has been disproven. The dams produce methane at a significant rate, which is a massive contributor to climate change and the warming of waterways, which directly affects salmon. The total greenhouse gas emissions from the Lower Snake River are the equivalent of 50,744 metric tons of carbon dioxide. The lack of energy efficiency and the fact that the dams are still emitting fossil fuels into the atmosphere are reasons alone for dam removal. Add on the other notable environmental implications and it becomes a clear social injustice that the four lower Snake River dams are still standing. These are just a few of the major environmental impacts of these dams on the Snake River. It is time to return the river to its natural flow. Energy can be found elsewhere from existing resources. Now that you have learned about the value of a free-flowing Snake River and the necessity of restoring salmon, you can share your knowledge with others. Share what you've learned and discuss with friends and family. Encourage others to join in advocating for removal of the Lower Snake River dams. You can join Save Our Wild Salmon and donate to SOS. Stay informed and follow along with the issue of the Snake River by signing up to receive Save Our Wild Salmon emails. There are many ways to advocate for restoring the Snake River and fighting for salmon and steelhead. You can call your representatives and express concerns or support for policy. Call or write to voice your support for removing the Lower Snake River dams and replacing their benefits with modern investments. Join in public comment periods that allow for feedback on particular issues. Follow along with Save Our Wild Salmon for updates. The Snake River needs your help. If we are going to fight for wild salmon and advocate for our communities, we must take action for a free-flowing river and return of wild salmon. A special thank you to those that made this production possible. Carrie Herman and Sam Mace of Save Our Wild Salmon, Lucy Simpson and Elliot Moffitt from the Nimi Poo Protecting the Environment, and Brian Jones. Thank you for joining us on this journey of the Snake River, and we hope to see you on the river and trails this season advocating for wild salmon.